0: I don't know about you, but I enjoy a good laugh. The Bible says that laughter is medicine, and I like medicine uh, that comes in that form. Uh, Charlie Brown is one of those that I've enjoyed. Uh, uh, comic strips out there that I've enjoyed over the years. I don't even know, think they even write them anymore. I know that the, 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 the founder, Charlie Brown, has passed. But uh, the, the point is that this is one of those that, that I think is, uh, is worth remembering from time to time. Charlie was having this uh, intense conversation with Lucy and, and said something like this to Lucy, life has its ups and downs and she was discouraged. She didn't like it. And her response is, I don't want any downs. I just want ups and ups and ups. And I don't know about you, but I that, that would be my description. I wish they could just all be ups and ups and ups. But we're talking about Rhythms, And we're talking about beats that have ups and downs. And we're talking about things that go our way sometimes and don't go our way. And how can we do what we can to control what we can control? But sometimes we have to, as we talked about last week, just cast our cares upon Him and let Him take the responsibility for them. And just moving out of that worry, I'm God, I've got to control it, phase to, hey, no, I'm not God and you are God. I'm going to let you control it. And there's another rhythm I think we need to consider today. Another rhythm I think I want us to look into that we need to consider. Now, most of us probably wouldn't think of this as something that I struggle with. And that would be we need to love more and hate less. We need to figure out how we can love more and hate less. Now, again, most of us probably don't sit in this room and say, well, you know, I, I have hatred in my heart. But yet, there's a few people on this planet that we would be okay if they weren't on this planet with us, right? And so, am I right about that? I mean, there's a few people that if they were, if they were not here any longer, you'd be okay with that. Or if, if they, you didn't have to work with them, or you didn't have to see them, or you didn't have to interact with them, you'd be okay with that. And I think that's not necessarily what we want to call hate, but it's a despise, it's I can't stand or put whatever other word you want to put into it, but we just don't want them around. And I wonder if we would learn to love more and hate less. There's a whole lot of, I think, in in our society today, a whole lot of hatred. There is hatred in, in, in the area of racism. You see that bubbling up. Now, again, you may not consider yourself a racist or anything like that, but hey, there is racism that is out there. Just watch the news. You just have to see that. There's, there's anger and there's hatred in, in people's hearts when they go into schools and the public places and they just start shooting up random people. There's a lot of hatred inside of our hearts and it continues to manifest itself. I think you could clearly see in our political arena today there's a lot of hatred that's going on. On. You have one day where a president's elected and everybody's cheering. And then the other uh the next day later everyone's jeering. What's gonna go? What, how are we gonna fix it? We got one person stirring it up, we got another person dishing it out. We got it's like I'm and, and to me I look at both candidates like, go, oh, you're both to blame. And I look at both parties, you're both to blame. I mean there, there's just an unhealthiness in our land and in our culture. And who's gonna be the answer to that? Who's gonna be the antidote to that? Who's gonna fix that? Let me tell you another thing, where we're seeing this manifestation of this, uh, uh, again, you don't want to call it hate, call it whatever you want to call it, but when, when you see this manif- manifestation of unresolved anger, when you see this manifestation of, uh, uh, of bitterness, when you see this manifestation uh, of people unwilling and being envious or, or, or unwilling to move on and so many things like that, uh, we're seeing as a pastoral team... At, Since the New Year, and this has just been in our own prayer times as a pastoral team, we're seeing a number of marriages that are not making it. They're they're cashing in the chips. They're throwing in the towel. And they're just like, hey, we made it through the holidays, but we can't make it any longer. And they have to set their kids down. They have to have that hard conversation with them. And it's a, it's a very difficult thing whenever you start seeing those things happen and you think, where is that coming from? Except I believe that there's hatred inside of our hearts. There's anger, there's unresolved, there's bitterness, there's envy, there's jealousy, and it's manifesting itself in some very unhealthy ways. I want us to read together a passage, a verse, just actually just one verse. I want you to read it with me. And uh, let's put it up on the screen here. First Peter chapter 4. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. I want us to say that again. I want you to think about this. Most important of all, all right? This is what he's giving us. He's giving us a priority number one. If you want to get life straight and relationships straight, here it is. The most important of all. Now read it with me. Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers All right, now, in that, I could break that and have an entire message on that. You can see that love has different qualities to it. There's different depths of love, okay? There's shallow love because he tells us that we need to show, demonstrate, model, give away a deep love. Not a shallow love, not a whimsical love, not a conditional love, but a deep love. And by the way, Here's the beauty and the power and the overwhelming strength of love is I don't care how angry you are at Trump or how much you can't stand Hillary or how much you can't stand your boss or how much you can't stand your ex or how much, how much you'd like this person just to breathe their last or you prayed a thousand camel fleas will infest their armpits or something like that, that you have, you have prayed against that person. It's incredible what will happen. When we take that sin, the multitude of sins, the depth, the breadth of sins, and we put on top of that love. Love covers a multitude of sins. You say, I don't want to love this person. I, in fact, I enjoy hating this person. No, 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 no. That's not the way of the Christian life. In fact, I want to say this, that it separates, love separates humanity from beast. From animal kingdom, it it separates the two. Love is what makes us different. But I'll say this, supernatural love is what makes us different than just mere humanity. Supernatural love is what makes us different from mere humanity. When supernatural love enables us to love in ways that this world cannot even fathom. Love songs have not been written. Movies cannot be, cannot be dramatized. You, you You don't see it in any other form, but you see it whenever the Christian faith is fully alive in someone and someone allows the Christ that is in them to live out of them in a supernatural way. They're able to love. When they wouldn't naturally love. And just in case you haven't caught it, there's a lot in the scriptures on love. In fact, it gives us a lot of greats on love in there. So here's, here's just five realities of the greatness of love if we could just understand it and embrace it today. One is that love is the greatest virtue. There's not another thing out there that if you're, gonna, if you're going to aim for that you shouldn't aim for than love. Now, there's, a, there's other virtues out there, holiness and righteousness, and you can talk about all of them all day long, and I'm all about them. But if you have all of the righteousness and you have all your doctrine in line and you have all this eloquency in line and you have everything else in line, but you don't have love, you're just this. That's what the Scripture says. If I speak with the tongues of angels, of men and angels... But I don't have love. I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I, and if I have all, all faith and I remove, can move mountains, I'm a mover and a shaker in this world, but I don't have love. I'm zero. I'm nothing. So we'll get it down at the greatest virtue that we can have in this life is love. The greatest commandment that He could give us. Grace Point is built on the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, but you can't do the Great Commission and fully do the Great Commission until you are fully doing the Great Commandment. When you learn to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, that's your total being, and then you learn to love mankind as you love yourself, then the the, the Great Commission of going to the nations and making disciples and baptizing, that makes sense. The problem is, is that we might have a love problem. We need to understand the Great Commandment given to us is love. The greatest motivation out there is, or excuse me, the greatest testimony is love. Everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The greatest testimony, the greatest proof that you're a disciple of Christ is the way, the means, the manner in which you love. The greatest motivation is also found in love. When he says, Christ's love compels us. It's not because we're told to do certain things. It's because Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that the one who died for all, listen, it is Christ's love that sends us to the nations. It's Christ's love that causes us to go to our neighbors. It's Christ's love that causes us to love the unlovables. It's because he loved us that gives me the ability to love you, even if I don't know you. It is me to love somebody who has something against me because Christ's love compels me. It's the greatest motivation. But I'll also say this it's the greatest challenge. Because he didn't just tell us to love the lovables, he told us to love the unlovables. And I think we all have them. Read it with me. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Say, I'll pray for them. I'll pray God's lightning bolts on them. I'll pray those. Camel fleas infest their armpits. I'll I'll pray all kinds of things for them. No no no. Learning to pray for them and softening your heart, learning to love them is softening your heart. Incredible things happen when we learn to love and love well and love right. We sit here in in in, in, the, in, in the in the the difference of the two rallies that 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 I speak of now and I, and I speak of of yesterday. Uh, Martin Luther King, as just this past week, we celebrated his, his birthday and, and what, what a great man, what a great example of a person who could endure such harsh anger and bitterness and hatred and yet come out loving. He wrote a message while in a jail cell that he titled, Loving Your Enemies, and these were the words that he wrote, while in jail for being a person, not for doing anything wrong. Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. Throw us in jail, and we shall still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and we shall still love you. Send your hooded predators of violence into our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead, and we shall still love you. But be ye assured that we will wear you down by the capacity to suffer. I love the power of love that no matter what you do to me wrong or, or or unjust or just or whatever, no matter how much you like me or don't like me, that I can trump everything that you do by loving you despite what you've done to me. Take your Bibles and let's look at the book of First John. Way back in the New Testament we come to the book of First John. John writes all of his writings towards the end of the New Testament. He's writing it as the church is beginning to splinter a little bit. Some are uh, actually you even see earlier on in the Gospels or excuse me in Paul's writings where some were already splintering. They were going to Apollos and some were going to Paul and Paul said no, 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 no. We're not going to Paul and Apollos. We're not going to do that. It's about the Lord. We're going to come back to the Lord. So even you find this almost denominational splitting up in the very beginning. Uh, of the church and now you come to the latter part of the uh the 80s and the 90s of the uh of the first century and you find where the church is now even literally some have gone away from the church and started going to a cult called gnosticism and what paul and what john is doing is he's trying to write and bring them back but he's listening he's trying to bring them back he says you need to understand we're going to have to love each other in this process and what's going to conquer and what's going to cover a multitude of sins and what's going to cover the wrongs that have been committed is not going to be hatred or revenge or, or justice. Or What's going to really cover it is going to be love and knowing what that is. And I'm not talking about some kind of Pollyanna kind of love. Listen, we'll have warm fuzzies and butterflies. No, I'm not talking about that kind of love. We're going to talk about the love here in just a moment, but let's just understand it. I want you to circle, if you have your Bibles, every time you read the word love, if you have your uh, Bibles, you have electronic, highlight it or something like that. So notice how many times he's used the word beloved. He starts it in verse 7 of First John chapter 4. He said, beloved, very first word, let us love, second time, one another. For love, third time, is from God. And whoever loves, fourth time, I'm going to let you, I won't keep doing that. I'll drive you crazy. Uh, and has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God. God is love. In this, the love of God is made manifest among us. God sent His Son into the world so that, purpose clause, he, we might live through Him. In this is love. There it is again. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to uh, be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us in His love is perfected in us. I want to talk about not natural love, not beast love, animal love. As Eminem might put into a song, we're all animals. Listen, let's go beyond that. And let's talk about supernatural love. Because how is it that we're going to love the unlovables of our life? We're going to have them. That as they come up and they rear their ugly head. And what I want us to do today is that we look at this passage is I want to reverse engineer this. I want to take it in the order that John takes it, but I want to reverse engineer it. And those of you who know, we're going to build it backwards, okay? And show us what love and how we have love and how do we get to this love. And so there's three realities of supernatural love. Let's reverse engineer it. Number one is you're going to love first, all right? We as followers of Jesus, as as Proclaimers of that i'm a, a Jesus follower, I need to learn that I need to love and I need to love first. I need to be the first one in the line of love now listen we're not talking about pizza love or I love my new car or I love my salary or I love my well, uh, my I, I love this or I love that no we're talking about i love the latest episode of stranger things i love i love whatever out there no, I love people and now listen in life wonderful if it weren't for the people. The people that we can't stand, the things that we can't stand the most about life many times has a person tied to it. And what we have to understand is the very first thing that he gives us the call to is to love one another. Charles uh, G.K. Chesterton said it like this. He says, The Bible tells us to love our neighbors, but he also tells us to love our enemies, probably because they're generally the same people. Think about that one. Paul is been kind of the New Testament, this kind of evangelist on the front lines. John is kind of the person who comes behind. Paul was in Ephesus whenever they were first becoming believers and just maturing in their faith. John comes behind and kind of pastors the church at Ephesus and and kind of pastors the other churches out from Ephesus and does his great work there. And so as he's pastoring this church in Ephesus, he's challenging them to do this. He says it three different times. And I want us to read him in this passage alone. Verse 7, he says, love one another. And then he goes skip down to verse 11. He says, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. We have, first of all, got to understand that of the 55 times in the Scripture that he mentions one another's, that the most time that he mentions more, the scriptures mention Matthew, or excuse me, Peter, uh, John, uh, Paul, all of those writers and all those speakers of the New Testament, that uh, of the 55 times, 12 of the times he calls us more than any other to love one another. So we need to learn that that, that our, our calling, our challenge is just that. Listen, you pursue love by giving love. The very first thing I need to realize is that I need to love you and you need to love me. We need to love each other, but it's not me pursuing love. I'm going to pursue love when I give love. As I give love, hopefully you're going to give love back to me, but me loving you is not contingent upon you loving me. Let me say that to you again. Because right now there's somebody in your mind, in your life, that you really, again, they would just soon them not be here or be in your life, or be in your circles, or be in your influences, or whatever. It is your job to love one another. It's not their job to necessarily love you. Now, we we can talk about boundaries, and we can talk about what right love is and wrong love is, and we can talk a lot about this, but I just want you to chew on that. The challenge that John lays out for us is to love one another. I pray they love you back, but there's no guarantees Erwin McManus in Soul Craving said, When love does not come to you, it breaks your heart. But when you do not give love away, it hardens your heart. Now think about that. One thing stronger than the need to be loved is our need to love. If we're going to follow the example of supernatural love, then there's no better example to look at than Jesus. And what does it say in the Scriptures? But it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, He first loved us. Remember who us is. We're the us's. And all humanity is the us's. All the way back to Adam and Eve, who sinned against God, who killed their children, who stole and did everything wrong, (laughs) who did not do what God said, who was offending God, but yet God first loved humanity. So you want to be supernatural in your love, be the one who initiates love, even if you don't give it back, even if you don't get it back. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. It is our job to love first and to be the first one in that relationship to show love. That means we may have to forgive first. That means we may have to say, I'm sorry, first. It means we may have to give up a lot of our pride first, our position first. And you want to break down love a little deeper, you obviously can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're not going to go there now, but you need to just read that and just kind of insert that person, that unlovable that's in your life, and insert them into the, into the square or into the box. Because when you read through 1 Corinthians 13, you're going to find a, a lot about love, that love is this, love is that, love is not this, love is not that. He breaks it down so beautifully. Here's a few of them. Love is patient. Who in my circle needs extra measure of grace right now? Who needs love? If I'm going to give love first, then who needs it first and foremost? uh, Love is kind. Who could use an unexpected lift? Kindness goes out of the way. Who needs an unexpected lift? Love isn't envious or boasting. You need to to take the back seat. You need to take second chair. Who is it that the one that you need to promote instead of trying to make sure you're promoted? Love is not arrogant or rude. Deserves a piece of your mind, but maybe who deserves or needs your love? They don't need a piece of your mind. They need your love. It does not insist on its own. Think about it. Instead of you saying what you want, maybe you go to that person and ask them what they need or what they want. That's what love is. And I couldn't go on. There's a whole list of them. There's two other verses full of them or a verse and a half full of them. But the last one says this love doesn't keep a record of wrong. And boy, how many times have I heard people say, I can forgive, but I won't forget. When they say that, they're just saying, I'm going to lodge this. It's a wound in my heart. It's a wound in my soul, and I can't let go of it. Listen, that is where healing has to come in. That's where love has to come in. That's where an amazing experience of grace has to come in so that we can let go. We love first. Loving first happens when we know love. Again, we're reverse engineering it. You've got to know love. That's the second thing. You've got to know love. You can't know love, listen, this may be a mind bender, you can't know love until you know love, okay? Now, you can't know love, experiential love, verb love, until you know love, personal pronoun love, okay? And love is not a feeling. Love is not, a, love is not an emotion. Love is not a lot of other things that we make it out to be, okay? Love is a person, before it is an action. Now, it is always an action, but it is a person first. It's not the person that you had dinner with that last night or breakfast with this morning. Love is a person in God. In chapter, uh, chapter, uh, John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Love is from God. He originated love. He created love. He gave birth to love. And God is love we got to know who God is. I'm telling you this. I might be, if this is, if this is a, a bucket of my life and this is the bucket of love, you might be able to love somebody this much in your own being and this is what sort of will happen with your love. It might go like this and it might even tank. But until there is a deep, personal abiding relationship with God and God is penetrating your love life in every sense in every way whether children or somebody else or or or, or your bosses or your enemies or whomever then you're not going to know the full measure of what love can be you might only get this much out of life even at your highest point until you know God on a deep intimate life altering level do you know him deeply because if you look on in, verse, in, in the verses that we were just reading, in verse 9, it, it goes on and says, In this love is God was made manifest, revealed the light, the spotlight was put on. How was the spotlight? How do we know what, what love looks like and feels like? Here it is. It was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So here's how we're going to know what love is. We're going to know love. We're going to be able to love first because we know what love is. And love isn't a feeling. It's a person. It's not just a person. It's a, it's a particular person. It's not Gandhi. It's not Buddha. It's not it, the love that is manifested from heaven that was created in heaven that originated in heaven is manifest in this guy named Jesus in his son named Jesus. You really want to know what love is and let love permeate your life? Listen, you will be a better husband. You will be a better wife. You'll be a better parent when you know and experience and walk in the love of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know love. This is what Alan Hirsch said. He says, if you want to know, or excuse me, N.T. Wright said this, Alan Hirsch posted it this past week. If you want to know who God is look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're actually a part of the drama which has him at the central character. Listen, the more we can look to Jesus for how to be human, for how to, how to, how to, how to grow in our, in our Christ-likeness, in our, in our godliness, the more we can look at Jesus and learn how to love the unlovables. And boy, did Jesus have them. The better we're going to be able to love in the world that's centered around him. See, when the, when the world looks at you, and I look at you, and you look at me up on the stage, you see flesh and blood and fingernails and eyes and hair, and and you see components of me, but you don't see most of me. Or you can't make out most of me. See, most of me is water. 65% of me is water. If you look at me, you're looking at 90% of my lungs are water. My brain, 70% is water, maybe muddy water, but it's water. Um, uh, Blood, 80% water. But when you look at a person, you don't identify water, you identify a person. Listen, you take the water away, you take the person away. You take love away, you're not a person anymore. You're not a human anymore. You're an animal. Listen, let the love be what is inside of you, manifest inside of you. Let the love of Christ, because you're not going to be able to love first until you know love. And then when you know love, you will know it. Again, we're reverse engineering this, because you were born of love. When you are born of love, then you will know Jesus. When you know Jesus, you will know love and you will be able to give love. But we have got to be born of of God we have got to be born of Jesus verse 7 says it again most of this comes from verse 7 and the rest are just fillers around it verse 7 whoever loves has been born of God and knows God love comes from something within because there's something within if you have a hard time loving someone Question whether or not God's a part of that right there. Love doesn't lead us to God. God leads us to love. And so many people, again, go into this world are looking for acceptance, are looking for embrace, are looking for unconditional love, are looking, are looking, are looking. And what they need to do is they need to get to know God and let him take them to love. Let him take them to himself the incredible work of God inside of us. Again, if I can borrow from Erwin McManus in his book, Soul Cravings, he says it is insanity to run from God and search for love. Think about that. If God is love and you're running from God, angry at God, and displeased with God because he caused this to happen or he allowed this to happen in your life, then really what you're doing is you're running from love. Instead of running to love and allowing love to morph and change and manifest itself more completely in you. Let's look at, let's read back at verse 9 and read it a little bit more fuller now. Uh, in this is love, the love of God. And again, just a circle every time you see the word love. The love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world. That's when Jesus came. He sent his Son to come, to, to live, to die, to, be, to rise again so that we could have life. We 're going to celebrate communion we 're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, not because it gives us life because we have life in Christ, and if you don't know that life in Christ then man we got to start there because you 're never going to love first and you 're never going to know what love is until you have been born of God in love and this is love, not that he loved that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, us, we ought also to love one another. Now notice this, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You know what? That last verse, no one has ever seen God. In all of God's ultimate wisdom, and I don't fully understand it, why don't we physically see God on a regular basis? Why didn't he just show up in the clouds? And why didn't he just show up on on the walls of our life? And why didn't he just show up and give us handwriting on the wall? You know why? Because he gave us himself in his spirit. And he put himself inside of every believer. And he told us to love one another. And when we love one another, His love is perfected in us. And so what happens is when we act like we are actually followers of Christ and we're allowing the love of Christ to come out of us, guess what happens? God's love is perfected in us and the world sees God through us. But if we don't love, if, if, if we don't know what love is, if we've never been born of God, if we've never been born, we, it will not happen. We've got to love first. We've got to know love. We've got to be born of love. First John chapter 4, verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever been born of God, born of love? Have you ever been born again? Born again through Jesus Christ. The very first faith move in your life should be that move. More important than anything else, are you a, a child of God? And once that happens, then his presence is Put inside of you in the form of a Holy Spirit so that you're able to love the unlovables. You're able to be loved and know love and give love and, and experience love without all the outside trappings of it. But if, you don't, if you've never been born again, you've never been born of God, then you won't know it. Unless you're taking communion today or taking the Lord's Supper today, that is not, that's not going to make it. This is grape juice from Walmart, okay? It means a lot, but it doesn't do a lot, all right? It means a lot because it means this whole beautiful reality of the body and the blood of Christ coming together, that Christ came to this earth, the bread, and lived out his life and died for us, spilling his blood so that it would cover our sins. The ultimate picture of love, Jesus himself said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That is the the penultimate picture of love. We're going to take this meal today, and if you're a follower of Christ, you've been born again in Christ, I encourage you to take this. Maybe you're today fighting with the anger and the bitterness, and the and you're just like, my heart is full of hatred more than it's full of love. Maybe your act, before you ever step to one of our tables that are around this room, the first act you need to do is just set right where you're at and just say, God, I want your spirit to empty the anger, the hatred, the envy, the jealousy, the bitterness. I want you to empty it out of me, Lord, by filling it with your love. Would you bow your heads with me? All around this room or stations where you'll be able to go when you're ready. And the band will just play and there won't be any singing for a while. And that'll be just a time for you to go and to receive. When you're ready, go and receive. You'll take the bread first, you'll take the the cup with you, and you'll just step to the side and move to the side and just... Let other people get to the table. Maybe you go back to your seat and you'll sit there and you'll take a moment to reflect and to pray. Thank God that you can love because he first loved you. You can forgive because he first forgave you. You can let go of the wrong because he let go of your wrong. That's supernatural love. That's what it means to love more and hate less. And we start, it starts at the cross. then after a time of of receiving, we're going to give you the opportunity to give. That opportunity to give will be a time for you to give your offerings, to give your gifts, your tithes, whatever it is that God's laid on your heart. That just as a rhythm has an up and a down, so we receive and so we give. So we breathe in and so we breathe out. I want to pray for us and then our our time will be given to you and you move to any of our stations when you're ready in your heart to go. Father God, we bow before you and we thank you for this time. We thank you for these moments together and pray that in this time that Lord, you will speak abundantly clear to us. And if we're holding on, to wrong or holding back our love. And oh God, that you would set us free. Set us free now to love like we've never loved before. We pray this in Jesus' name.